Because you know why? Why? Because it feels right. It feels right. Legendary. A rare afternoon podcast recording, Adam. Usually this is yes. the this is a morning thing, but not not today. Not today. I used to I used to be in my prime in the afternoon and the evening hours, and mm-hmm. I, I think it's I think it's shifted for me, Robert. I know yeah. you're a morning you're a morning guy. Well, I'm just like juiced up on caffeine in the morning, and then as the day goes, that tapers away, and I get less and less engaging. So you know, we'll see how we'll see how this afternoon goes. Well, Very well I, could be the case. In my. Uh, I didn't really, I didn't really drink coffee till I met Prof, mm. and I, I think I'm with you. That I think that had a lot to do with it. You got, you got like a four hour window, right, right when you wake up of optimal whatever, and then after that, it just really declines throughout the day, doesn't it? Tapers hard. Tapers hard. <laughs> <laughs> the hard taper, Robert. I'm not going to lie to you. I took care of my child by myself for the first time today, and it was, it was a trying experience for about three and a half hours so out of the uh, out of the four yeah what uh what was what was uh give us the breakdown what was it like well she just i mean she has to start working so she's back on campus and uh you know uh like i said right before we clicked that button i i I can provide the food in the bottle but it's just not the same comfort for little aj so Mm -hmm. uh we'll just say he was a little irritated with his father uh for for a bit of time and and he let me know about it. So, you know, that's, that's just part of the deal. And we get to do it all over again tonight for five hours. By night, solo? Night class Monday, night class Monday. So I got a, I got a five spot tonight after a rough morning. So whew, baby. what are your, what are your thoughts on Mondays moving forward this the remainder of the year? <laughs> <laughs> I think we should. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that, that's we're, we're just going to have to see someone might have to get hired. <laughs> no, not for I, your sake but for aj's sake yeah know? right seriously uh not not to make it easier on me just so nothing bad happens to mr aj yeah <laughs> uh I'll, I'll find my routine but uh, that routine has not been found yet unfortunately hey this is day one of a full semester worth of monday so just <laughs> just just buckle up you'll, you'll find your stride you know yeah Thanks for that, Robert. A full semester worth of Monday. That's right. Uh, <laughs> um, so, 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 Robert, I don't think. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't get together last week. No. Nope. Uh, but and we're certainly not going to recap that APP tournament. But let's let's talk briefly about it. Uh, I know you ended up not able to come to the tournament of champions, which was this past weekend in Brigham city, Utah, because of a, a shoulder injury you suffered at that APP the weekend before uh, enlighten us. What's up with all that? Uh, yeah, it wasn't anything that really happened in the moment with the shoulder. It's been kind of just a degenerative thing over the past, you know, since honestly starting since starting pickle, but it only used to bother me on overheads. Um, and that, Oh, that was weird. Did I stop? I had a call come in and it like erased yeah, my screen for a second. You didn't, you never, you just kind of glitched. You didn't really ever. <laughs> okay. Right on. Um, yeah. So I, I had the, I had a, what I thought was like a rotator cuff issue in college from tennis and then stopped playing and obviously picked up pickleball like 12, 13 years later and still felt it like on overheads and pickle, but wasn't really an issue because you don't hit that many of them and it doesn't happen that often. But, um, yeah, past few weeks it's gotten progressively worse to where it was hurting on everything. It was hurting on back, you know, very much a backhand volley, and which is you know probably my my main shot. <laughs> issues, <laughs> issues, <laughs> issues. If I get hit a backhand volley, uh, 
So actually, uh, I did some physical therapy this this past week, Thursday, Friday, and then went in to see an actual doctor this morning, and did X-rays, all that stuff. And it's it's a it's like a it's like a labrum tear, um, which you know doesn't sound great, but it doesn't doesn't always like require surgery. It can it can get better with some rehab and stuff like that. Uh, you know, got a, I've never had a cortisone injection, but got one of those this morning. So I'm, uh, you know, hoping it's going to be solid enough to, to play and not, not stress about it, but, um, we'll have to be pretty diligent with rehab and stuff, but yeah, I mean, it felt terrible. I had to, had to pull out of TOC. I was going to play with Susanna Barr, who I think she picked up AJ. Is that right? Kohler? Yeah. I'm looking at the draw right now. I mean, five days before pretty reasonable pickup i'd say yeah solid i don't know why he didn't you guess i he mean just, he's he's that guy that goes on standby and sometimes it just works out it usually works no, out for him. no i i think procrastination pays quite a bit in the partner game uh if yep. something happens a month out or maybe even a month and a half out something like that and you don't it, instead of going for someone that's maybe a little lesser, you just kind of hold pat and, and hope it works out. And it's, yeah. It seems to work out a decent amount of time. So uh, well, yeah, I've been in, I've been in that situation plenty of times. Well, it didn't work out for Travis Rettmeyer, who I was supposed to partner with. <laughs> Graham, Graham D'Amico. It was actually a pretty fun uh, yeah. vibe throughout the tournament because he was, you know, acting like he was a pro and going to yeah, the pro yeah. tent, making sure he got his credential and stuff like that. And if well, I'm not mistaken, they had a reasonably close first round too. I think yeah, it was a, well, a close second game. A close second game. That's right. That's right. Okay, I'm I'm pulling it up now. And, and if you didn't know, that's just Travis Rettenmeyer's buddy and owner of the Smash and and podcast partner. So he he is yeah. he is not necessarily in the vicinity of pro level play. <laughs> yeah, but I'm glad. I mean, yeah, I'm not glad that it happened, but yeah, you know. Travis obviously made the best of it, not being able to get, um, you know, another another high level proto to step in and play. But um, at least they, it seems like they had a, had a good time with it. Yeah, and it's Roman Estoreja and Patrick Kauka. So I've heard I've heard Patrick yeah. Kauka is decent, and but uh, I mean that's that's tough to. I mean, Travis is good. So the, these are players that are relatively new or a little less known. And, you know, you get in that matchup against that team and it's kind of a lose-lose situation. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was 11-2, uh, 14-12. But either way, that was kind of, that was kind of fun that uh, he got to do that. I guess Riley Newman and Tim Parks, the Hard Eights owner, had a little bit of the same situation uh, when Tyson had to pull out of a tournament yeah. earlier this year. So, yeah, they have fun with it. All good. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So yeah, that's that. Um, I, I'm gonna play Philly this weekend, though. Let's go. I haven't okay. haven't haven't hit a ball since uh, St. Louis, so um, gonna be going in a little cold. But um, as long as the shoulder's feeling okay, then I'm. I think we should do just fine. Well, I think I think the shoulder will be fine. Yeah. Given the cortisone situation, uh, I, I don't know exactly when that wears off or how exactly that works, but. Uh, I know it's a little bit of a help and a little bit of a mask as well. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I know multiple people a couple times for tennis elbow and some other injuries got one and next, next month or six weeks was not too shabby. So hopefully yeah. that's the same for you. Yeah. I mean, he, he's basically said I wouldn't 
be able to damage it further. And oh, okay, that's that's nice reassurance for sure. Like it was just going to be more of just you know managing the pain and, and getting through it. So um, he, I mean, he certainly didn't say it was it was going to make it better, but he's just, <laughs> just like you know this, this is what you do for a living. This is going to be a little bit of part of it. Until yeah. you can really take time off and really rehab. rehab. Well, at least it was not at one time. Uh, I'm not saying degenerative or grinding a joint yeah. down is a great situation. But when you hear a pop or it happens at once, yeah. that is that seems to be almost always the worst case scenario. So, uh, well, good luck, buddy. Uh, yeah. Light them, up at, light them up in Philly. That's it. Who you That's got? It. Who you got up there? Uh, I got Andre and uh, Glosman for that one. Glassman, couple tall folks, huh? Get, yeah. get a tall one. I've done that a couple times in my career as well. Just get a tall one, see see what happens, you know? Yeah, just just roll the dice. <laughs> uh, correct. Uh, so were you were you able to watch any of the tournament of champions or any of the play this weekend? Yeah, I watched a ton of it. Uh, so yeah, we can we can dig into that. I watched a lot of I watched a fair amount of the uh, the Gamma Pickleball Classic, which you probably didn't get to see much of on that concrete floor. Woo. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I flipped it on. I looked at the floor, my, my shins started throbbing oh, and I just, and I just had to turn it off, you know, I every mean, step hurt. Just watch. I mean, I, yeah, I played on tile, uh, at a place that my first like few months of playing and it is absolutely different and very brutal. So, yeah. uh, all I know is I saw Frank Anthony Davis slide about 15 feet and that was fun. Uh, every time, every time he posts one of those videos or those points, it's just too good. Uh, with, with, uh, so back off into the barrier on the side and then ranked like full, full Superman diving across the court. I mean, I don't care who you are. That's good stuff. I mean, that's just it's Frank, Frank Anthony Davis is like perfect conditions indoors on, on an odd <laughs> surface where people aren't used to it and you could just, you know, drive people through the mud. Let's go. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I saw a, a little bit of that. And of course, I was at Tournament of Champions. So I got to do some commentary and some uh, and some hanging out in old Brigham City, Utah. And I tell you what, it might not have been the overall number of fans from a handful of the PPA stops, but pound for pound, Brigham City, Utah pickleball fans are, are pretty legit. And there was a pretty solid vibe through good portions of the weekend. So uh, it, it, it was fun. I've had, I've had a lot of play and a lot of time in Brigham city on those courts. So uh, I, en- I enjoyed my time there, got to play a little bit and commentate a little bit. And I, I thought overall with some of the bigger names out and, you know, some of these, these middling players starting to rise and make their presence known, there were some very quality matches and uh, lots of three games and, and lots of, you know, people in big spots that, maybe haven't been in too many big spots throughout their, their pickle career. And I think that makes for, for good stuff. Yeah, no. Yeah. It looked like not a very big crowd on Thursday based on, or sorry, Wednesday. It was Wednesday, right? For singles. Correct. Everything was shifted up one day, right? Which probably has a big part of it, right? It's like middle of the day on a weekday, not most conducive to getting fans out there and watching and, and supporting. So super understandable that, you know, crowds are going to be sparse. Um, but yeah, it did seem like as the week went on that crowds got good and championship Saturday looked fantastic. So, um, yeah, I mean, tough place. to. I know there's tradition there, but it's a, it's a tough place to have a tournament. It's just not super centrally located in a town that's small without a lot of amenities. It just makes it a little difficult. But I mean, Utah's probably the best state in the country in terms of 
pickleball fans and players and and people showing up. So, um, are we going to see? Are we, we going to expect to see TOC continuing to happen under the PPA umbrella moving forward next year, Adam? Or are they looking to move the location and kind of get rid of the history? I don't know. I, I it, there there's some slight buzz about it and a little yeah. bit of talk. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I I to be honest with you, I don't really care. I think that Brigham City has a couple things that are good and moving it to Ogden or even all the way South to Salt Lake city. I think that that would be a positive in some factors, but I'm not sure it would be all positive. So uh, I, I don't think it really matters from my perspective. And, you know, I, it's not always the best to, you know, when you have, you travel to a place, you have to have a layover and then you have to drive when you get there. That that does make the travel more difficult. But once I got to Brigham, I never even sniffed traffic and every time I plug something into my phone, it was four minutes away and that's kind of nice too. So yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> yeah. There's two, so. ways, there's two ways to do it, right? Like when I, when I, I played TOC two years ago, I think, yeah, two years ago, it's the only time I've ever played it, but I have a good friend in Salt Lake and I just, you know, get off there, get off the airplane, stay at my buddy's place. It's 10 minutes from the airport. And then I don't really mind a, like when you go to, when you go play an event, you're there pretty much all day anyways, right? It's not like you're going to play your match, going home, back. It's just like you get to the venue and other than like getting a bite to eat or maybe leaving to grab a coffee or something, you're pretty much at the venue all day. So I didn't mind staying in Salt Lake and then doing the hour 20 drive in the morning. Nobody's on the road. It's, you know, listen to music, podcasts, whatever, and then have the hour ride home to decompress. Like it wasn't terrible. Yeah, I I think really the only the, the only main issue for me is is really food choices and maybe like rain delay possible break end up at the venue later. Are you yeah. going to have any non Arby's options? <laughs> you know, at like ten or eleven p.m. But the answer I mean, is no. Yeah, the answer is no. But I'm I mean I'm not partying. I'm not going to clubs. I'm not going out when I'm at these tournaments. So if it's in a little bit of a smaller place, I I, I don't really care. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, whatever. I, I history. Keep it. Keep it in Brigham. Let's go. There we go. You heard it here. Keep it in Brigham. I did see Connor Pardo say something about there's going to be a PPA tour stop in Salt Lake in maybe January. Oh, oh, I did. I did see that. And I mean, you said it just five minutes ago. It's probably the best or one of the best top two or three states in terms of pickleball enthusiasts and and fan fandom and quite a plethora of pro players as well. So there's, there's a lot of reasons to, but to, you know, yeah, okay, please. <laughs> I mean, Salt Lake in January, you can have a, you can, oh. have a winter, you can have a winter storm come through. You could have players that don't know how to drive in the snow from Florida. I mean, they can't, they can't do that in January outside. Can they? That's no, it won't be, out, it won't be outside. It won't be outside. Yeah. Okay. Regardless. Like right, even, just, even I mean, like Minnesota in February this year, it was like, you know, massive storm came through. Didn't know if they were going to have it. Like it just, it's still, it's still issues just doing it in a winter place in winter months. Oh, you, you have to drive different on the snow? No, just drive the same. You'll be fine. <laughs> just drive the same. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, Prof and I, we were going to Park City and mm-hmm. oh, somebody, yeah, some, we did that. Yeah. So, somebody suggested that it would be okay to not have four wheel drive or snow. <laughs> The, co- the snow, the chains, the chains yeah, on the tires. Yeah. And that didn't work out very well, Rob. So, uh, you know. You certainly need four-wheel drive. I mean, that's you just certainly, a must. One or the other. You need yeah. one or the other. We had neither. And that was, that, like I said, it was an issue. Uh, <laughs> but qu- quite an experience nonetheless. So Yeah, just a good adventure. Yeah.
So um, just uh, just to talk about TOC, I mean, clean clean Selkirk sweet baby. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's, that's wild. wild. Like is that yeah? Has that happened? Like I don't think that's has that ever happened? Where every <sighs> province been swept? I mean, not in the recent past couple of years since the tours. No, I d- yeah, I don't. I don't think. So. I, I don't think so. I, I don't see how. Uh, maybe if I thought about it a little deeper, I could come up with something. But I, off the top of my head, I, I don't see how. So I mean, I'm I know sure. have people respond to this and let us know. But I, I, I don't think it's happened. Yeah, and it, I mean, I understand there was a name or two or a couple names not there, but I mean, TM man, what the hell? Like, dude doesn't miss. He's playing big. He's playing left. He's playing right. Whatever he needs to do. And I mean, every time I watch him play, he just he just doesn't miss a ball. Yeah. And it was I, interesting. Like, yeah, they put him on the left. Right. So, yeah. And I think, I think there's a, I was talking to Ignatowicz about this and I was like, it, it feels like when James plays the left and he, even if he's on the right and he's the one kind of being the aggressor and speeding up that Tyson's not always necessarily ready. I think there's no, it's no secret. I, I would say Tyson would probably say that James has faster hands anyways. So it's a little easier to catch Tyson off guard. If James is the one speeding up, um, and Tyson maybe not being ready, but if Tyson's playing the left and he's able to move Dinks around and he's able to find his spots and be the aggressor, James is pretty much always going to be ready on that second ball. And Tyson's going to be ready because he's the one initiating. So I think it's a, I think it's a super smart strategy in terms of um, having Tyson on the left and him being the aggressor because his partner is going to be ready. Yeah, and James did not play that hybrid right side role. He was pretty much rock. He, mm-hmm. he was dinking and countering and I, I was, I was in the air. I got to see the last two games on a layover in Chicago, but it, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of different ways to play, right? We've seen say DJ young play right recently and he, mm-hmm. he, he's never going to be a full on grinder. He, he yeah. gets a speed it up, clean it up situation, but this was full rock, right. From, from Ignatovich uh, or Nadovich, sorry. And I, I texted with them a little bit and yeah, I, th- I think what you said and what he said makes a lot of sense is he can handle the speed ups from Riley uh, possibly a little bit better. And he, after his partner speeds up, which is going to happen much more frequently on the left for Tyson, he's going to be on that next one, second, third, fourth, whatever the case may be. So uh, it obviously did not work for a couple games and and it seemed like James uh, kind of found his rhythm and what I saw uh, kind of balancing out sitting forehand a few times when Riley would speed up up the line and then the full slide with the one-handed punch as well. I know he got caught a couple times that I saw, but for the most part, when he hit, I mean, when he hits, when he hits the counter clean, it's very good. So, uh, I mean, I would slide a lot to my right when I played Riley and sure I would hit some good counters, but they're just not as devastating as James. A lot of times I would hit my counter and win the point. And most of the time I would hit the counter and the point would continue. Maybe we would have the advantage, but a lot of times the point would continue. But when James, James hits it well, point, point over quite a bit. And it helps. I mean, just, just pure size, right? He's, he's sitting up higher with his paddle. He's going to be able to hit down on it a little bit easier than say you or I would be able to. So, I mean, that's, that's a big advantage in having a big guy, which you don't see a lot on the right side, having a big guy on the right. But being able to counter and counter down isn't something you always see. I mean, who knows? In five years, every right side player might look like DJ or James, you know, yeah. like 6'2", 6'3", uh, just 
shifted from left to right. I mean, who, who, who really I knows? Mean, yeah. That's what you see in every sport, right? Like now yeah. t- tennis, it's like, you're small if you're not six, six and moving like, you know, Mafi. So it's like, yeah, right. everything's getting bigger. Yeah. So, uh, and, and he, <laughs> it was funny because I told you we messaged a little bit afterwards and, you know, he was just, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe I should just be a right side guy, you know, <laughs> you know just a, after a big win, of course. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, it, it worked out nice and, and it was able to beat Riley and this and that. So it was just funny to hear him, you know, fired up about the right side after <laughs> yeah. uh, playing well and, and getting the W. Uh, but yeah, that, that was, I mean, what I, from what I saw, like I said, the last two games, pretty damn intense match huge energy and crowd involvement and very high quality points with, with, you know, a variety of exchanges and and a little bit of everything. And, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. What was, um, you were, you were there. What was, what was, I know it was hot Mm -hmm. and I know also know it's elevation and kind of thinner air. What was, how was the ball playing? Was it, was everything fast? Was it hard to keep balls down? What was yeah, no, it's, it, it's, yeah, I mean, I got on court and I hit several head high drops in mid court. So yeah. I, I would say it was slightly less intense than normal because the heat of the ball. So, yeah. so, so the ball, it certainly was nowhere near squishy Florida, very humid type uh, uh, pickleball, but it was slightly softer. So that counteracted just a little bit of the altitude. I believe I still think the altitude had more effect than, uh, what the ball gave back, but it wasn't as extreme as in years past where I've seen it at tournament of champions. Yeah. Yeah. We saw, we saw sometimes in that finals or that gold medal match with uh, Ignatowicz and, and Tyson, James was having a tough time keeping that drop down. So Tyson started taking all of them. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's, that's the smart play. You know, he's, you know, he might be a, whatever, a top, if, if every point started neutrally at the kitchen, uh, you know, James might be a top couple player in the world, uh, but when he, he might be a four Oh or a four five from the back of the court. And he, yeah. he'll be the first one to tell you that. So, uh, you know, that, that was probably one of the strengths of my game and I struggled with it very much the times I played up there. So yeah. I, I, I don't blame the players and James for, for leaving a couple shoulder high. And it really was a recurring three theme throughout a lot of the matches. Uh, lots of teams, percentages of making it to the kitchen was not what it normally is. And that was very big factor in, in all of those close matches, the frequency, which team is, was making it to the kitchen and the percentages yeah. were not awesome to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No, just an, an impressive performance by, by Tyson for sure. I mean, that, that was, you know, he's going for the triple crown going into the day. I think, you know, if there's any match that he was not favored in, it was going to be that men's doubles match, that first one. And to be down 2-0 and then to claw your way back to, to win, taking it 3-2, I mean, kind of springboard his momentum going into the next two events. But, dude, that for, for that dude to be that fresh, you know, after, after a five-game men's, after a grindy mix, and then to, to have to play singles, I mean, it's a big deal and looked, looked super fresh at the end. So, Yeah, no, definitely, definitely impressive. Uh, lots I, I, I thought he's going to be in trouble against Connor because I'm like, oh, Connor's just like Connor's going to be so fired up. He's just mm-hmm. waiting in the wings, watching uh, Tyson out here grinding, and Connor's going to be super fresh, and Tyson's going to be kind of, yeah, certainly not as fresh. And Tyson looked just as fresh in singles as as Connor. Yeah. So what uh, what exactly happened in singles and mix in terms of I know who won, but how like in terms of closeness or how the matches went, I didn't see either one. 
No, I didn't catch. I didn't catch all the mixed, but I saw. I saw most of singles, and um, I know Connor had a Connor had a big lead in game two. So Tyson, I think it was six 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 in the first, uh, I believe. Tyson pulled away one at eleven six, I think, and then Connor jumped out to a big lead in game two, either nine two or nine three or something. And um, yeah, I don't think he. I think Tyson won that game twelve ten or eleven nine, and just. I don't know. I, I chalk that up to experience, and um, you know, maybe Connor looks at Tyson as a little bit of a mentor. I know, you know, I've spent up, I've spent time up in Coeur d'Alene with with uh, Connor and Tyson at the same time. So, I think, uh, I think maybe there's, I mean, not maybe. There's definitely a mental edge that Tyson has over Connor, and I think that kind of showed in that game too, where uh, you know Tyson claws way back in and then mentally went over the top. And yeah, just it's a good grindy day, and you know, well deserved. Yeah, that's that's real stuff there. Uh, you know, not that it's a full on teacher pupil situation, yeah. but just that bringing him in a little bit, like you said, taking him to his little compound that I talked to him about is is getting remodeled and it's getting real nice. I think he's putting four courts in and a nice. man cave and a, a, a podcast room and all that stuff. So yeah, uh, sure, Connor won't be the first one to head up there and train a little bit with Mr. McGuffin. But I think that that makes a lot of sense mentally and in a big spot and not that Connor won't get over that hump very soon, but it, it, it does, it is a factor and it is there uh, in terms of a mental perspective. And, and that could be the, what gets you over the hump in those super tight matches. Adam, I think we got to get up there for uh, some Selkirk action and then, you know, maybe a little, maybe reignite your career a little bit. I don't know if you can do 6am training sessions because that's what Tyson does, but. Well, I played uh, a little, I played a little four or five pickleball for an hour on Friday and my left leg hasn't been the same since. So, uh, well, I'm not sure this career is going to get uh, revitalized anytime yeah. soon or ever, but it's possible. We'll just say it's in, it's in the realm of, of possible outcomes, but yeah, it's struggling, struggling. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, you just got to play. Good yeah. For you. And it was fun. And I did enjoy that. Even though all of my slice returns went six inches out, it's okay. It's okay, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> well, then the other, the other triple crown was Catherine, which, Sweet. which what was, uh, what was the women's score? It was, is you have that in front of you? I do not. I, I don't have the single score. I have the, I have the, uh, I have the doubles. Let's take a little look. So yeah, I remember, she was, and she I was in, yeah. yeah, she was in a, uh, a almost two month break, I believe. And I think that totaled three tournaments, if I remember correctly. But uh, we, we've seen a couple, I think as we move forward, we're going to see there's not really an off season in pickleball. So I think yeah. players are going to start to find little slivers or little three, four week stretches, or maybe even more like Catherine did and, and take a re recoup break to disconnect, you know, from, from the pickleball court. And I think, the way the schedule is laid out right now, that is going to benefit a lot of players and be something that I think is borderline necessary. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. And uh, not to get too far off, off topic here, but uh, one thing I did see somebody write and say is that the P like PPA is going to have 40 events in 2024. I don't know if that's true. Like uh, four, four Oh, was that four, four, four zero? Oh. I don't oh, my. I don't know. I, 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 that was just something I read. I don't know. That wasn't directly from the PPA or directly from Connor, but I think somebody said that Connor did an interview maybe on the tennis channel that said 40 events in 2024. I'm not sure. I just know that's, that's, I don't know if that's all pro 
or if they're doing something else, but 40 events is crazy. And when, when you, <laughs> and yeah, you're going to have to have players taking significant little gaps just to, just to recharge and mentally be fresh and physically be fresh. But um, I mean, on that note, no, no 2024 schedule released yet, which is interesting with the PPA and also kind of up in the air with what's going on with MLP and where that, where that, you know, where that merger is supposed to happen. And, you know, I think uh, somebody asked, like, is there any, are there any questions on Twitter that you want us to ask Connor Pardo? Cause he's going to come on the podcast. And I was like, yeah, what's, uh, what's it going to look like with PPA and MLP moving forward? Like, do you guys not see that, like there, there are conflicting um, goals and yeah, I, I don't know if that's been answered, but I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with PPA MLP. Um, not just a few years from now, but uh, you know, as soon as next year, what, what do those schedules look like? How many events does MLP have? How many does PPA have? Is there any overlap? What's the, um, are, are PPA contracted players going to play both? Because if let's say MLP keeps increasing events, let's say there are eight MLP events next year. I mean, players are going to want to play more than call it eight PPA events as well. So, and I, I assure you that the PPA is going to want their players to play more than eight PPAs. So I'll be really curious to see kind of how this unfolds with PPA MLP and what it looks like next year. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a reasonable question without expanding how many tournaments they're playing. But if there's, if this is 40 or close to it from PPA plus a possible eight or, you know, outside chance of 12, maybe from MLP, something along that, those lines, I mean, that's a very good question and it's, uh, yeah. and it's, and it's going to have to get, you know, answered or figured out because I mean, I think these, we just talked about the breaks being necessary. If you're playing low or mid twenties tournaments in a year, uh, imagine if those numbers jump up. So w- what are they going to pick? Who, who, where, where, where are they going to dip out? You know, yeah. uh, uh, cause they're going to have to, unless they want to play possibly 40 plus tournaments, which is obscene. So, uh, yeah. you, you got, you got to trim the fat somewhere, you know, where, where are you going to trim it as a pro player? I, I, I don't know exactly. Yeah, it'll be. Yeah. So if, if you are PPA or MLP, let us know. What's the plan, boys? Yeah, what's Gals, the plan? ladies, what are we doing? <laughs> what's the plan? And just to uh, touch on that women's final, we had Elise and Callie uh, taking game one, 11-8, then a very comfortable 11-5, 11-5, 11-1 victory for CP and and Paris Todd, who, you know, wasn't going to play and then uh, and then got in there, I guess, when CP calls, uh, pretty reasonable to, uh, to make it to make an unscheduled trip to Utah. Certainly. And I kind of, the kind of the unique thing is that, you know, that with that clean sweep of the Selkirk, you had, you had several different paddles being used too. I think Tyson's playing with the zero zero two where he did this tournament. Yeah. Yeah. I think James is playing with the zero zero two a, which is a little softer version of the zero zero two. You had Paris playing with, it looked like the zero zero six, which is kind of the labs product. Um, I believe it's the Selkirk labs product mm-hmm. that is, um, has a lot of grit and feels nice. And then you had Catherine playing with the power air, which is what I play with. I think what you play with Adam. So look wide, a wide array of pro paddles being used for this clean sweep, which is very interesting. Love that. Great. Yeah. Great uh, mention there, Rob. And uh, Hey, well, and we got to We got to call out. You got to call it Selker. Yeah, well, absolutely we do. And I did, hadn't even considered the variety of paddles in use and 
You know, when you have five, six more models uh, being used at the highest level, you're doing something right, huh? Yeah, no. So, so pretty interesting stuff. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, just a testament to how slim margins are. Uh, talking about another Selkirk player, Susanna Barr. She, she partnered up with Vivian Glosman, I believe. And, I mean, nearly took out our eventual oh, gold yeah. medal champions, right? Yeah. I think so, like, it was deep in the third. Yeah. So I believe it was, uh, I'll find it real fast, but I, that was on grandstand, I believe when I was commentating center and I kept kind of look we, we, in the, in the truck, we have the monitors up and I kept looking over and that was, <laughs> Oh, they have the live scoring now too, which is pretty cool. From, yeah. From when that, the, when they, had, uh, the refs have the iPads from outer courts, you can oh, see the great. score, which is, great. which is really nice. Uh, so we have, yes. So it was 11, five, five, 11, 12, 10 and the third, uh, for Vivian uh, Glossman and Susanna Barr. And so they win pretty easy first round against Dylan Ciampini and Avery Beck. They have a tight match against the eventual gold medalist and they're out of the tournament, no more play. So no, mm. no back draw, no nothing. That, I mean, right there and then it's all over. Uh, that's, that, that's tough. <laughs> that's pretty tough. That's, that's wild, huh? Like, I mean, I don't know if they had any. I don't know if they had any match points. They very well could have Susanna and Vivian, mm-hmm. but it's just yeah, just uh, just showing how slim those margins are, and um, yeah, I mean, easily the eventual champions could have easily been out of the tournament in that round. But Adam, on that note, it's a good point. Um, we have this new format that's been rolling the past few tournaments with the PPA, which is uh, you know it's a backdrop for the first round, but only for the first round losers. After that, it's single single elim. Um, and you get to the semis, you're guaranteed top four. What are your thoughts on, on this after seeing it for, for a few tournaments now? Cause I've got, I've got a couple of thoughts, but I want to hear what you, what you think about it so far. Well, it's, it's, it's tough for those players. Uh, I think it was brought up briefly when Tim Parks was on and, and we discussed, all of us discussed how like valuable tournament reps are. And and it's just never the same in rec. And I mean, I'm talking something ridiculous, like 10x, 20x, 30x the experience when you're playing tournament play to rec play. So it it, it does. And then and then it, Tim kind of went on that spiel about how all the top players get, you know, what 10, 12, 14 hours a weekend uh, of right. quality court time, and all the up and comers and middling players are are. It's very possible you could play solid pickleball and be on court for three or four hours for all three events combined. So I think that that's a pretty big deal. And I, I think just from like the overall tournament experience from the pro level, I, I, I maybe you can label that as part of the deal, but I think it is very tough developmentally for these players trying to crack uh, that top, you know, 20, 25 or so. And, and so that's, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. It's uh I think it's also tough for you have all these people that signed with the PPA that are not able to play anything else. And now they're even, if I'm a signed PPA player, I'm probably a little annoyed, right? Like I go into the year thinking, you know, this is great. I'm getting these appearance fees. I'm going to be able to develop, you know, if you're, let's call it kind of like not the very top tier, but kind of second, third tier. Um, I mean, just think about how many fifth place, you know, fifth places that uh, Pablo and Federico got, right? They got a ton of good reps in that backdraw. 
And I'm not saying the back draw is great because you can only get fifth, but I'm just saying in terms of high quality reps, they got, they got a lot. They got a lot in that back draw um, this whole year. But now the fact that, you know, those are gone, like even think about like Deckel, dude, like Deckel's not like, you don't hear his name that much anymore. He's not constantly in the metal discussion and it, it's tough. It's, it's tough to where you don't have that chance to come back around. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And uh, yeah, I mean, fourth, fourth, fifth, sixth, even the seventh, eighth spot, a lot of times previously you would get, even if you got fifth, six, you would get two pretty damn good backdrop matches against quality opponents. Yep. And that's, you know, that's, that's just not there anymore. seems like if you, if you are going to get to that fifth, sixth or seventh, eighth, you know, with the pullouts and the people not playing that, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just a lot different than it used to be. And, and, more than a couple ways. Yeah. And it's, it's heavily geared towards seating too, right? It's like makes it tough. Um, unless, especially if you're like a non PPA player going to play PPAs where, you know, you're, you you do not have many PPA points, you're going to be a bad seed and it could really disrupt the draw. Yeah. yeah. PPA points. Yeah. That's we'll let, what's his name? What's the, what's the guy? Gloss, gloss, Jim, Jim, <laughs> whatever. That guy, we'll, we'll let him talk about the PPA seating, but uh, ju- just a couple, yeah. couple uh, uh, touches on the women's draw here. We had a nice run from Hurricane Tyra and Anna Bright uh, ended up getting the bronze medal. Uh, we had uh, Tina Pisnik playing some big ball this weekend. Uh, she had a nice run with Andrea Coop, losing 11-8 in the third to, to Callie Smith and Elise Jones. So just wanted to bring up those two players who, who did not make it uh, – uh, you know, into that championship match, but had some pretty nice runs. So uh, Tina well, Pisnik, man, I'll yeah, tell you dude. what. I mean, I know she's older, but she, I mean, she plays a smart game. She really does. She picks her spots well. She's very consistent and, and seems to to really get the game only whatever, year, year and a half, whatever the hell it is into her career early, early in her career, yeah. whatever. I think the unique thing about Tina is, and I don't know, if, I haven't heard this talked about much, but she is – Easily the highest level women's tennis player that's converted over. Easily. Right, right. I mean, she was top 30 in the world, singles, uh, WTA. And that's kind of the first really high level women's tennis player we've seen convert. And we're seeing what she's able to do in a very short amount of time. And I mean, to get to the to get to the mixed final gold medal match, they earn a silver uh, with Pat. It's it's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible stuff. Im, impr- incredible, incredible, you, impressive, impressive, incredible. incredible. Just, mix, just mix it together. Just mix incredible. it together, buddy. Hey, what well, you you said it like nine months ago or something. The uh, the biggest or the biggest opportunity in pro sports is women's pickleball, low hanging fruit. So there you go. Just high, high level background jumps in and more than relevant right off the bat. Uh, there you go. Perfect example. Yeah, and I think what 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 impressed me was I thought she was pretty limited in which side she could play because she always played with Martin Emmerich, who's shout out to Martin, teammate on the St. Louis Shock. Uh, she would always play the left side with him, and she was just dude, like you don't want to get into a backhand deke battle with her because she's so she's so sharp with it. Like she hits great backhand deke. So I was like, okay, well she's going to be on the right side with Pat. Probably not going to see as good of a result. 
And she was, dude, she's a rock over there on the forehand side. So the fact, and that's, that's super impressive to me because I've seen a lot of the ladies that have come in have been much better at one side versus the other. And she's getting really good results on both sides and especially on the right side, which she hasn't played much of in terms of mix. So super impressive. I expect her to continue to get better. And, you know, as long as she doesn't seem like she's going to be slowing down anytime soon in terms of, um, you know, she's a little older, right? Forties, but yeah. doesn't seem to, doesn't seem like it's going to affect her. Yeah. I think a perfect example is probably Vivian Glosman. I think she even said it like I'm, I'm comfortable on the left and women's. I, I, I don't really know what I'm doing on the right and mixed. I mean, this was, yeah. this was a couple months ago or whatever, yeah. but I, th- I think that that does make sense. And, and, you know, she been mentored a little bit by Colin Johns. They, they played a, at least one, if not a couple tournaments together where she was playing right and Colin was playing left. So I, I think he, you know, gave her some tips and has maybe worked with her a little bit and yeah, impressive to to be able to not only play at a high level, but go back and forth sides and, and not really show any issues on either. Uh, good for her. And I'm sure we'll see quite a bit more of her uh, moving forward. And that's a tough break in the in the mixed final, as yeah. I believe it was Pat Smith's back. No, that, I bl- was it back? I thought it was from the concussion thing the day before. Ah, gotcha. Okay. I'm not, I'm not sure, though. But. but no, that makes it. I mean, I talked to him after that match and. He was talking, his vision was messed up. His, oh, that's not good. He, yeah, he was saying like, he. it's not like he was seeing double or anything, but just just like some blurry vision and, and, and some definite issues about what happened. So uh, I know he also got treatment on his back and has had hip and knee issues before, even though he did not, he, he was moving much. I mean, I, I watched him play for like three points and I was like, ooh, this is a little different than when I was playing him a year, year and a half ago or whatever it may be. No KT tape, uh, much more. The issue with Pat is when he is struggling physically, he gets stuck, meaning he's at the kitchen line. He gets stuck committing to something and he can't dink it. He just goes for something crazy. But when he has that ability to, to shuffle and really more importantly, the lunge, the controlled lunge to get underneath the ball, he was really, uh, Maybe not even – he was moving better, but for me, it's more the bending that yeah. really uh, helped him hit some of those shots that he used to. And, you know, he's he's a he's a player favorite. He's a very nice guy, and everybody likes him on tour. So, of course, of course, I'd love to see him have, have a little success when it's been a while for him. And he got picked up by uh, – he got picked up yes. on MLP. So, yeah. Fred, Brandon French, his wrist is still hurt. Uh, hope, hope it gets better, buddy. That's a shame. Uh, you're always hopefully you'll still be at MLP because he French just French just brings fun environment. Even if people like he, he can annoy the hell out of a lot of people, but yeah, I appreciate him. I, th- I think he's great, and it's all in good fun. And he brings good he brings good energy. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. And let's see, just checking out a couple a couple scores here in the mixed. We had a very surprising result early on. First round match for the number two seed, uh, Ignatowicz and Anna Bright going down 11-7, 11-6 to Andre Deescu and Rachel Rohrabacher. Uh, probably, I mean, has to be the biggest the biggest upset of the draw. And I, I was thinking, I mean, I, I didn't see the match. I have no idea what happened. But I was thinking maybe it could have been something like the Jack Sox situation where he gets matched up with Roddy and Dobran who are – his buddies and kind of know his tricks. I know Rachel Rohrabacher plays with those two uh, down in, in South Florida. So just maybe something that happened, but you know, this is pickle. Anything can happen at any time, especially at the pro level. So 
Yeah. Uh, surprising well, result. Yo, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I just, Andre is not going to give you much in terms of errors. If Rachel, if Rachel played solid, which it seems like she did, um, you know, you can have, you can have James go on a streak of missing, of missing a fair amount. And yeah. I would, I would assume that, you know, Andre just played pretty clean and he got, you know, Rachel did right. as well and probably got a, probably got a fair amount of errors out of James, my guess. Yeah, sure. And, and I mean, he is, you know, we're, we're not really talking about, 60 or 65 percent when it's Ignatowicz playing mixed it's it's a healthier percentage of court coverage than that so I'm sure I would guess that he found himself overextended uh, on more than one occasion in that match but uh, like I said just speculation I did not see it play out just saw the scores and was surprised by that we had a really tight one here uh, Zane Navratil and Andrea Coop making a nice run uh, beating Lung and Glossman. 9-11-11-9-11-8. And guys, these are these are second round matches right here. So uh, just wild matchups there. And I, and I know I'm missing a couple. Just wanted to touch on a few of those results from Mixed. And your um, day's done after that loss, after that tight second round loss. Oh, I know. Done. I know. I know. Exactly. Thanks for I coming mean, to Utah. Bye-bye. Every <laughs> single game. 11-9-11-8-8-11. You know, I mean, come on. These these are tight all the way through. So, uh, Lung, so that was Loon's second round loss? Loon, correct. How exactly. did – I think – I mean, he played with Hayden and Mintz, but I think it was also maybe a second round or let's third see. round. Well, let's just figure it out here, Robert. I'm just saying, like, that's a, you know, it's just, it's tough if you don't get, if you don't get through. I mean, you have all, all the matches are tough. It's just brutal not to get more, more reps. Yeah. And I mean, and you're exactly right. I just found it. So we have Lung and Patrick Quinn beating Anthony Gonzalez and Nick Vanderwarf, who I'm sure are, quality up and coming players and very nice guys, but I do not know them. So they win, they win that pretty comfortably. And then they lose 11, three, 11, seven to Alshon and Garnett who looked very good. And yeah. that's it. I mean, that's, that's two short matches. That's not yeah. even like a really tight second round. And, and that's that who, and I'll just continue up the draw here. We have Garnett and Alshon defeating Staxrud and Tellez 12, 10, 12, 10. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, getting defeated by by Ignatowicz and Tyson McGuffin. But I was pretty impressed with Alshon, who is on the right, probably, probably 85, 90 plus percent of his pickleball in his career has been on the left. Mm-hmm. And uh, the match that I called, he handled himself just fine over there, loading backhand, even loading yep. forehand some. And I don't think in that match that I called, he did more than one or two silly speed ups. So yep. uh, good, good adjustment for him. And, and I, I was impressed with his right side play, to be honest with you. Agree. I saw a, a nice, a few little pokes with his backhand in the middle too, which, which worked out most times. So yeah, big props played well. Yeah. And then we had, uh, this was another match that I called. It was Kohler and Newman versus Julian Arnold and Thomas Wilson. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, Julian Arnold went absolutely crazy. I, I, I know he takes a lot of court and, and, you know, that was a lot of their success in MLP, you know, with Thomas being that established supporting player. But I, I think, I think Julian overextended uh, quite a bit, even more so than, than I've seen him in quite a while in this match. And uh, it cost him, even though the second game was very tight at 14-12. What was, who was that against again, sorry? So it was Kohler and Newman versus oh, Juli- okay. Julian and Thomas. And there was that slight dynamic where, Riley's playing with Julian and with Kohler yeah. at least at least a couple more times each. I, I don't know how much, but I, I think maybe there was something trying to be proved there. Uh, and Pat and Jay playing some good ball as well. Uh, Old school. Rock, 
Yeah, being Rafa Hewitt and saying Navarro comfortably, and then uh, losing in three to Kohler, uh, to Kohler and Newman. So Pat, great job. And, and yeah, I, I saw a couple matches of Jay as well in mixed and men's, and it looked a little bit different than it has the last couple months. I think uh, I think he played well uh, also. So so great to see the old schoolers kind of get back in the mix with some solid results. Yeah, I like it. And if Pat can keep playing well, I mean, I don't know what they have going on with partnerships remainder of the year, but I wouldn't mind seeing a little a little Wichita reunion out of those guys. I mean, they've over the past couple of years, they've had amazing results, then kind of both broke off and explored with different partners. But I mean, they know each other's game really well. And if Pat's able to be healthy and and you know, be a rock on the right. He's good over there. Cause he's got great, he's got great counters. It's just a matter of, can he move? Like you said, and not get stuck on the dinks. Yeah. He- heavy handed, heavy handed. Yeah. And I think maybe that was, uh, uh, you know, it was great success, but might've caused that breakup was that amazing kind of summer that Jay had where he was literally winning almost every tournament on the APP tour. He had some great results in the PPAs as well. And I think that that's kind of what caused uh, that breakup as Jay wanted to step up with, with a higher octane partner. Uh, not, not that that was the wrong decision or he stepped all over Pat, not, not saying that at all, but uh, possibly that was the, uh, you know, the kind of the straw that broke the camels back to break them up. But when they're together, the energy's real. And I think they get the most out of each other. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that that's, that's a real thing. And, and after watching Riley play a little bit, it's hard not to, to see maybe some other players not quite as talented as him lifting their partner's level. And that doesn't necessarily happen all the time with Riley. And when we're talking about razor thin edges with elite talent all over the court, these things matter, Rob. No, you're absolutely right. Um, it's been interesting to see, um, yeah, Riley still hasn't gotten that hasn't gotten that goal since that split, right? So mm-hmm. uh, we didn't see Matt Wright this weekend. We'll see him in Kansas City, I believe. Uh, so yeah, I think yeah, yeah Matt's and playing Matt, with Colin's brother. Yeah, Matt's, Matt's gonna have a pretty dang good chance to win yeah. uh, that next tournament. So uh, yeah, uh, we'll we'll just have to to monitor this uh, moving forward. But certainly interesting when you have a little breakup like that, and maybe the quote unquote, better player of the, the group struggling more than that person that he broke apart from. So uh, I, I do believe that their breakup was mutual, but it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's interesting nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Adam, what else? Uh, in terms of results, that's, pr- that's pretty much it. I, like I said, I know I look, look past something, but those are some mm-hmm. of the highlights for me and, and some of the, uh, 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 quality quality matches and results and I, I I very much enjoyed commentating this tournament and and was really fun to see a variety of players in big spots I got a question I have a sure. let's just get let's Please. just get a little weird I, I was in England Please. when I think there are conversations happening around the pro XR paddle I heard from somebody that it was like banned for the weekend then I heard that it wasn't and let's just talk about it what's going on with the pro XR paddle it is it is in my opinion outrageous what you could do with it and what some play like it depends on the player right some players have strokes that aren't super conducive to it but some players have yeah same yeah but some players can use a full western and trust that it's going to grab the ball and it does grab the ball so i don't know what, what's been going on with the ppa and the pro xr uh i just know all i know about the pro xr is i just wanted to check out the grittiness and i rubbed my finger on it and started bleeding 
(laughs) (laughs) Joking, uh, joking. But yeah, you're, no, you're, you're, and I think that's a good point too, is you might not notice how much a certain paddle gives you by your style. But when you get the proper paddle matched up with the proper style, watch out. That's really different. And well, you know what, Robert? I think I actually, I think I actually have one. Oh, there we go. We got the we got the collab with the hard eight pro XR and my God, like that's, that's rough. That's rough. That's uh, I know other paddles have been described as sandpaper, but that's pretty much it. Never hit it. Don't know what the power situation is. The only thing I know is I have rubbed my finger on it and it is very gritty, sir. Yeah. And I've heard, I don't know. I was, I don't remember who I was talking to, but I don't remember quite the testing rules, but I heard on several occasions that like uh, the paddle would get tested. Two out of three would fail. One would come back. Okay. But since the one was okay, that it passed. I think oh, if, I see. I think if, if we're at, Oh, if, if the paddle, if any paddle, not just that paddle, if any paddle is over the reading period, it should be it should be deemed disqualified or or not able to use. Uh, the fact that it's like okay, it fails two out of three, but the third one was okay. Now that's okay. I, th- I think if we want to if we want to have the level be pretty consistent across the board, that we need to that we need to be a little bit more conservative with with how we're doing it. And I think if there's any if there's any test that fails, it should be deemed you know, disqualified or illegal. So I don't know why that's not the case and why we do two out of three or whatever it may be, but it just seems, it seems a little silly. And I I think it would, it would, it would create a situation where if any of the tests fail, that manufacturers would have to be pretty conservative and, and tame with how they go about creating the paddles, which is, I think what we want, because it's not about, it's about having a level playing field, regardless of, regardless of what paddle you're using, which I don't think we have right now. I don't think we have a level playing field with the different paddles out there, which is crazy. Uh, Cause it's not something you'd ever think about like in tennis. It's like people have preferences on, you know, this, this racket versus this one strings, that kind of thing. But there's never like a disparity and, and having a, there's never, it's never that you don't have a level playing field based on what you're using, which right now I think there is. And I hope they make some, you know, steps to change that. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. There's, there's no way it's a, it's a level playing field and I'm not even talking about anything specifically. Uh, and of course, Robert, I'm a, I'm a high end content creator. I'm not an engineer, but I, is, is there something along the difference in how you put the grit on your paddle and the ability to test it? Is that something that I have heard? Cause I've heard there's like a standard grit and then there's a couple other companies that are doing something differently and they're having trouble kind of quantifying that type of, of grab on the, on the pickleball. Is that, is that correct? I've, I've heard that as well. And I've heard that the, they're basically, they're ba- the paddle companies are basically able to stay kind of one step ahead of the testing, current testing methods, which is smart, right? They, they, un, until, until the testing methods are better, then you, as a paddle company, you're going to want to have the edge. So they're not doing anything illegal, but it sounds like once the testing changes, which it's supposed to be in Q4 here to where the way it was described to me was kind of like topographical where, you know, 
you have a machine that's able to see kind of not just the surface, but what what's kind of going on just below the surface, and it'll give a it'll give a better reading of what that um, of the roughness is and the friction, and so. I don't know. Like you said, I'm not an engineer either. I'm just a high-end content creator that sometimes <laughs> plays pickleball when he's uh-huh. not hurting. Uh-huh. But I, I think I think we're moving in the right direction. But uh, I think, yeah, we need to we need to do things to level the playing field. Yeah, until until it gets to a certain point, it, you know, it might be this kind of cat and mouse game. Uh, I'm not talking about PEDs and pickleball. That's how it. That's how it's been for like 30 yeah. years or 40 years with yeah. steroids. Yeah. They do it. They figure out how to catch them, and then they stay. It's one. It's a back and forth. It's a cat yeah. and mouse. It's one step ahead. So, uh, you know, not the same situation, but but kind of similar. So uh, maybe the more you go back and forth, you might get to a point where uh, it's much more difficult to stay ahead. But probably right now, and maybe for the next couple sets of testing, that there will be ability to be ahead of the game. And uh, like you said, there's. There's big monetary gains. You're not doing anything illegal. If you're a paddle company, you want the the hot ticket item. And they're going to, when we're talking big time bucks, they're going to do what they have to do to make that happen. And if there's no one to smack them on the wrist, uh, just expect it to continue. Yeah. And what's even talking about big time bucks. I mean, what's even wilder to me is that, that with MLP, actually the last MLP, they were only testing for deflection, if, if, if my memory serves me correctly. They weren't mm-hmm. testing for surface roughness or anything else, which, I mean, there's no there's no bigger dollars in pickleball than MLP right now. And to have it that unregulated where you're not testing the paddle in all aspects of the paddle is something that has to change. Like the fact that you can, like, you know that they're only testing for deflection. Go crazy on the grit, right? Yeah, right. Like, and no, well, absolutely. And like, I mean, yeah. I mean, D-lamped paddles hit harder. I mean, deflection hits harder, but when you have spin, you're allowed to hit harder. You, you yeah. basically have the freedom to you hit can as swing hard out. as you want. You can swing out. You can yeah. completely swing out. It just gives you the margin to to fully release on the ball. And if you're releasing on every shot and they're going in, my God, uh, what an advantage, advantage that is as, you know, some paddles players might only be able to, to fully release on, on a handful of shots because of the, the spin component. So, uh, yeah, it's it's we're going to be talking about this for for months, maybe yeah. hopefully hopefully months and not years. Uh, yeah. But 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 level playing field is absolutely at the core of all this, and, and it just it just needs to be there. Yeah, and you know everybody's doing everybody's doing their best, or so they say. So we'll get there. We'll <laughs> I get was there. I was I was waiting if you were going to follow that up with anything. Uh, I think the tone of the initial comments said, said enough as it was. But uh, yeah. Robert, looks like we're creeping on that hour mark. What do you say? Got anything I, else? No, I say we close it down, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was fun. This was this was like a this was a nice flowy catch up, Adam. That was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, you know, we normally have a, maybe a slight pause at some point, but it just flowed. It just flowed. This was, and this is the afternoon. Maybe we're new people. Oof. Maybe we're afternoon guys. Uh, nine a.m. next week, buddy. Uh, I can't. I can't do afternoon. <laughs> no, mo- Monday. Monday's the rest of the semester. You're done. Sorry. Well, I well I can do it. I can do it early. So or, I think she, I yeah. think she goes in at 11. I think she goes in at 11 okay. on Monday. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see. Uh, but either way, nice chatting there, pal. And uh, best of luck in Philly. And uh, we'll run this back next week, bud. Yes, sir. All right. Bye, everybody. Because you know why? Why? Because it feels right. It feels right. Legendary. Yeah.